Hello and welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Ben. And I'm Natty. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows me, but like, I kind of exist on Tumblr, so that's one thing. (laughs) And this is episode four, brought to you by the Great Gulan Incident. Um, Today we have... Wait. Wait, what? It's... No, it's fine. We can talk about it later. Oh, okay. All right, that's cool. <laughs> Today, we have Natty on the podcast, which is awesome. Um, Natty, do you want to like introduce yourself and tell us a bit about how you got into the series and stuff like that? All right, well, um, my introduction to the Keeper series is not really all that exciting in any way. I was literally just walking through a library, and I had... Um, ordered a book or whatever and I went to pick it up it said it was there it was not there but right next to it I noticed the keeper series sitting there and so I decided to go kind of put that on hold next and that kind of launched into this full downward spiral (laughs) but that's about it yeah um I make random memes and stuff on tumblr which is always fun so yeah cool well it's great to have you here today we're going to be starting with some listener correspondence we got some messages on uh instagram this one's actually from last week so sorry that we um that we missed you on episode three um but it's from number one empath on instagram and it says hey I'm so glad that you're doing the Keeper podcast. I'm so happy that you're doing this for the fandom. You're all amazing. So thank you so much. You're amazing too. Um, We love getting messages like this. Our second message is a comment um, from Baba Doodles, which is, just listen to two and three, all amazing. I didn't really like Keith in the first book. He was pretty annoying. Also, I think the Riddler pens can only write in riddles. They don't solve them. But I might be wrong. I haven't read the first book in about a year. Yeah, that actually that sounds right. I, cause on um, on last week's episode we were talking about the Riddler pens and we seemed to. I think we thought that they could solve riddles. I thought but it I was guess... um you were supposed to write the correct answer to one of the riddles that it gave you and then you could write on your own. It was like this rite of passage, like solve the riddle and then you can actually use this pen. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. I admit, I don't I don't really remember exactly what a riddler pen does, which is kind of sad because I read that chapter like last week. <laughs> but, you know. Oh, well. Yeah, whenever I picture the riddle, riddler pens, I just picture like that one Batman villain and his whole question mark just on top of a pen and then I stop remembering what it does and just imagine Batman pen (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love that it's like it goes with Keith's Batman shirt yeah oh it fits (laughs) were there any more messages or was that it um that was it for this week well those were really cute I liked it yeah and we we really appreciate just all the messages you send us. You guys are great. Thank you. Today on episode four, we are going to be discussing chapters 29 through 38 of book one. And a lot of stuff goes on in these chapters. This is kind of the section, I think, where like the main plot of the series gets going. It's where we finally learn about 
like the black swan about sophie's genetics so yeah this was a really exciting chapter for me yeah or not chapter i guess a section of chapter section yeah (laughs) so do we want to give like a small summary of the chapters before we go into like any specific thoughts we had on them or do we just want to hop right into it um i think we can summarize as we go so all right yeah sounds good Mm mm-hmm so the section started with them being once again at Foxfire. Um, and Sophie is doing some transmitting practice with Tiergen. Um, this is a section where we learn a bit about pyrokinesis um, and like why it's banned, um, things like that. I, I actually don't have a lot to say about this chapter. Maybe you guys do, but... Um, yeah, it felt chapter twenty. Chapter I believe twenty. Chapter twenty nine. Oh, twenty nine. Okay, okay. I was like, hang on, is this in yeah. chapter twenty? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. This this section felt kind of expositiony. It had a lot about like a lot of details about how telepathy works and how um, special abilities work. They were talking about how some abilities like manifest on their own and how some have to be triggered. Um. And, yeah, also just some information about, like, pyrokinesis, why it was banned, um, because it's, because of how dangerous it is. I don't remember if they actually talked about Fintan in this chapter. No, I don't know if he's actually mentioned till like, she actually goes and bottles fire for the first time. Like, I think he's mentioned quite a bit later. This is a random note, but I wrote a lot in my notes about when everything was first brought up and I thought it was really cool how we learned about uh, mental and core energy and brain pushes and like infliction and like mesmers and all of that and I don't know for me it was really nostalgic getting to read back all of this with the knowledge that I have now and being like oh look at this and here's this and here's another thing and it was kind of actually really fast paced for me surprisingly when back then I feel it was actually a lot more slow I don't know why but yeah that's yeah that's really interesting I think yeah I don't know it's possible like it reading through it goes faster when you already know the information I also, I don't know, I just, it's such a funny reminder just going back and rereading this and remembering how much Dex truly did just despise anything to do with the Vackers. Yes. Like, he just, it's like the chapter opens with Dex refused to have anything to do with Fitz and Brianna. And then it's just like Sophie was alternating time. It's like, it's just so funny. It's like Sophie's got divorced parents, the Vackers and the Disneys, and she has to split her time between the two of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was, it was really funny, actually, that, that Dex just hates the Vackers so much at this point, um, especially since, like, they end, I mean, they end up working together, like, not really in this book, but, like, very soon in the next book, um, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this was intentional, but for me, when looking at those interactions, it seemed like... Fitz either completely ignored it or was just super, super oblivious to it. I don't know if that's just me or what, but it didn't seem like really anything on Fitz's behalf at all. Yeah, Fitz seems super oblivious to it. I don't know. That's how, that's how I kind of interpreted it. Like 
the whole deck bit <laughs> where like it does it does actually seem like it was an honest mistake like calling him by the wrong name but like this idea that like oh dex is just so far like removed from him or beneath him that he just doesn't notice yeah i don't think it was an intentional slight but it was still a slight if that makes sense um i also really loved a part in this section the part in the section where um where dex was like yes i finally know something wonder boy doesn't i thought that was just really funny oh yeah yeah god but you do feel really awful for him like this is his first ever friend and she's also friends with another person who you've hated for all of your life. And he gets to know things and, like, be closer to her in some ways that you don't just because of the way that your family was born and who, like, what positions you've been awarded. Oh, that's actually a really good point. I didn't really think of it like that, where a um, Sophie was kind of, like, Dex's first friend as well and then also B where Dex was probably perceiving that as Sophie brushing him off because of his like title in society I didn't really think of that I'm slow but (laughs) yeah that's that's really interesting yeah I feel bad for Dex don't we all yeah (laughs) yeah poor boy he's he's always the one who just gets like pushed aside you're not important. And even, like, his ability, like, even the ability that he ends up getting is just, like, so perfectly built for support and helping others. Mm-hmm. For, like, you know, staying in the background, making the gadgets. Yeah. Well, that's making me sad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Dex, Dex deserves better. <laughs> Wait, was Dex put on Valiant, or was he out of that one, too? No, he's in that. I think I think yeah, he's, he's in it. He's in Valiant. It's yeah. Sophie, Dex, Stina. Don't remember who the others are. Bianna. Yeah, Bianna is in there. And I don't... Oh, Wiley's in there. That's a thing. Yeah, there's the five of them. Yeah. Right, it was those five, right. So yeah, at least he's on Team Valiant. There's that. Not that that really helped getting him involved anymore, but... (laughs) No, it really didn't. We had hope for, like, five seconds. They tried. Yeah. Yeah, moving on in the section, uh, next is when... Oh, it's there's just a small scene that, like, I don't know, I felt like it was really kind of touching, um... When Sophie goes into Edelyn's office, she's looking for something, and then she finds this photo of Jolie. Jolie, yeah. Um, and then I really liked how um I think I've talked about this before, but I really like how in this first book, like the loss of Jolie is so present. I feel like um once Sophie becomes more like integrated into the Ruins family, that kind of disappears. But like you can tell that they're still really grieving at this point. Oh, this is kind of random, and I don't know if I should actually bring this up right now, but I noted that at one point in, I think it was chapter 21, there was the first time that Sophie, um, like, touched Adeline, and it was where, um, she was helping Iggy or whatever, and, you know, she grabbed onto her arm, 
and that just made me so I don't even know it was a powerful moment for me at least yeah yeah definitely I feel like we all know what happens at the end of this section of chapters but I just feel like so much of this book has been building up their relationship and this slow growth of trust between both parties and like learning how to reach out to each other to finding new family and it's all it's very it's a very sweet section and a very sweet part of the book this growth of trust and love yeah mm -hmm. and which just makes the end of the section yeah where, so much more destructive yeah so much because mm -hmm. at the end is when sophie finds out they've um grady and adeline have canceled their adoption proceedings which i mean just like putting myself in sophie's position that would just be so crushing like to think that you finally found like this new family after your entire world has been taken from you um and then finding out that they don't actually want you around or oh, hang thinking on. That. they canceled it because they got nervous or whatever about raising her yeah. or something right yeah yeah which i think is a very valid reason they were they were struggling they did not think they were ready they didn't think that they could provide a suitable home for her like i think it's like i think that it's probably for the best for them yeah no it was a really valid reason um but i think like again like miscommunication and just sophie not knowing the full story the fact that she found is... out first in that way is the worst way to be able to bring it up yeah and then oh my god even when alden's talking to her on the crystal beforehand and he's like oh have grady and adeline told you and then she's like oh about the fires and no they haven't when he's in fact hinting towards the fact that they canceled, and he's just kind of like, "Oh, shit. oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that." But um, it's okay. Yeah, we'll it's just it out. it's a sad. <laughs> Whoops. But um, yeah. I guess going backwards a little bit because we skipped forward to the end of the section. But um, yeah, we did. Next is the next scene is when um Sophie has her assignment from Sir Aston to Bottle Starlight. And uh, oh reading God. about Sir Aston is completely different now that we know he's Mr. Forkle. Let me just say that. Oh, and you know, I just kind of wanted to touch on something that we brought up beforehand, and we can get into the Sir Aston talk in a second, but what I found really interesting is that, like, we see within, like, these chapters and a bit of the last section, like, this idea of, like, Sophie being tough, touch-starved. Like, we see it with Edeline, and then, like, I also just find it funny that we see more and more people, like, showing physical affection to her. Like, the first time Keith meets her, he, like, hooks her by the arm. Like, her and Dex are, like, almost hugging in this scene. And then, like, Edeline and her slowly growing more comfortable with physical affection. It's just very interesting to see this all coming up now. Yeah, that's just what I wanted to say. Okay, Sir Aston. Yeah, the, no, that's... The touch thing is really interesting, though. It's something that, like, I kind of noticed, but I didn't really put the different pieces together of like yeah like Sophie and Dex, Sophie and Adeline and Sophie and Fitz all kind of having the same theme so that's really interesting yeah so um Sir Aston it's so weird to see him as Sir Aston because um yeah I don't really know where I was going with that anyway <laughs> uh I was just 
as I was reading the sections with him, I was I was actually a little bit confused because he seemed really freaked out at like Sophie um, that Sophie had bottled Elementine, but he made her. He must know that he was that she was able to do that. Was he just not expecting that she would have bought? bottled it or was he faking it the whole time i i think it was a mix of both because i think this is talked about at some point where he was trying to get her to bottle element or quintessence but he thought that she wouldn't actually bring it to school she thought she would like contact alden or something or talk to somebody or like leave it at home or like talk to him without bringing it like he thought that she would he knew she was going to bottle it, but he did not think that she would bring it in a backpack, rattling it around all day, into the school premises, which is actually the most logical thing to do. It is logical, but he evidently does not know Sophie, if he thinks she'll do the logical thing. (laughs) Yeah. No, but that, I think that there's probably a lot of acting in there, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Oh, yeah, like, especially um, at the tri- at Sophie's Tribunal, where they were deciding, like, what to do with her since she had bottled the quintessence. Like, he was all like, oh, it was given by another teacher. You know, I didn't know what was in the... I didn't know what was in the homework assignment. He was sort of faking that he, uh, that he didn't know anything. Yeah, I had a... I had a similar question, just kind of like... Because it wasn't orally standing there as a lie detector for was she a lie detector just for Sophie was she a lie detector for both of them so could they tell that Aston was actually lying oh that's interesting I I think she was just lie detecting on Sophie although she I mean knowing now that spoiler she's Sophie's biological mom I mean I think it's possible she did also know that Sir Aston was Mr. Forkle so she might have. I don't have know if she actually side. would. Yeah, it's, I don't know if she would. I I think that we still have so much more to learn about Orly in the coming books, especially her involvement with the Black Swan. Like, how much does she actually know about them? Right. Yeah, there's a lot that we have no idea. Yeah. So, anyways, of course, at the end of this section, we get Dex's great line about, as you previously mentioned. About like, oh, I finally get to know something that Fitz doesn't, and it's great. Yeah, that was a pretty great line. And it's very, it's just very Dex, like, in his his personality. It is. It is perfectly within his character at that beginning. Yeah. He was kind of petty, actually, at the beginning. Like, (laughs) rereading it. (laughs) Why is everybody so petty at the beginning? Yeah, like, Bianna too. Bianna's, like, Bianna's main character trait is jealousy at the beginning. Like, she's jealous when, like, Keith asks Sophie to be on his base quest team. Like, she's jealous of Sophie being introduced. Like, that's her primary character trait right now. Yeah, it's really, it's interesting to see how much they all change from book one. Because, you know, this is kind of going off on a tangent, but, um... One of my friends a long time ago read um, read the first book of Keeper, and after she met Dex, she was just like, "Oh, I really don't, I really don't like Dex. It's, he he seems like a mean person based on um, 
like how he made Stina bald and that that felt uncalled for and that was kind of surprising to me because like I knew because like I had seen how I had seen Dex in the later books as well and like um and I don't know it had never really occurred to me that like he seems petty or mean in the first book yeah no I I rereading this I was really seeing a lot of instances where like he was just I think that at this point like he's just so angry at everything I think that he's just like very angry and irritated and pissed off at the world as a whole and that's making him like a very bitter person yeah which and what you were saying right now um it also pretty much describes fits when during like legacy and where we are where we're at at the books now so I don't know that's kind of a cool parallel I think between Dex and Fitz that and maybe that's like part of the reason why they hate each other so much or why Dex hates Fitz so much at the beginning I mean yeah and I think I think really just Dex hates the Alvin system but also just really 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 wants to belong in it but also then probably hates himself for wanting to belong in it so strongly so I think there's probably just a lot of confliction yeah definitely okay uh, should we move on to the next section? Uh, sure. All right. So next is when Sophie goes to Tarek, Counselor Tarek, um, in Atlantis, and I don't actually know how to pronounce his ability. Like um, a descrier? Des- he's a descrier? Descrier? Oh, well, yeah, well, I thought, like, I thought scryer is in, like, an oracle or something who, like, scries the future. So just describe. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Or describe. Describe. Yeah. Oh, and if we're talking about pronunciation, I I never thought anybody would pronounce it the Great Gulan accent, and I always thought it was the Great Gullen accident. Gullen? Huh. That's really interesting. I yeah, I always pronounced it Gulan, but I don't know. Cause I don't know. <laughs> it always looked so much like like the word seagull, so I was like, oh, Gullen. Gullen. Yeah, I could see that too. I don't know. On my on my phone, autocorrect always changes it to the great gluon incident, so that might have something to do with it. Oh. <laughs> and Sophie's meeting with at Sophie's meeting with Tarek, uh, we find out that Tarek can't descry her, which means he can't sense her potential. Um and I guess that's like the first time. Wait, am I getting this mixed up? Or is that actually what happened? He, he It's not that he can't describe her, it's that he can't make sense of what he's found. Right, He's he was like, there's something powerful, but... Yeah, he's he like, can't it's figure super it out. interesting, I just don't know what. Right. Yeah, which is like... I keep using this word, but... Which is, which is just really interesting. Um, and... It kind of leads to... Ooh, Natty's back. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, yeah, we're still in the Tarek section, so we're talking about... Um, yeah, that that chapter. <laughs> um, let's see, what was I... What was I saying? Right. Um, and it's kind of cool because I... Because that leads to... Um, 
sort of Sophie's conversation with Tyrion that he, she has later on, which is she's like, oh, what if I'm someone bad? What if I'm not all good? Um, because yeah, that was yeah, that was that was a really great. Chapter. I love that chapter because there's this whole idea of like I could be of Sophie being like. I have this potential to be really powerful, but we don't know if I'm going to use that power for good or if I'm going to use it for evil. Um, which kind of reminded me of the Lodestar Initiative later on in book five and how, like, Keith was like, oh, I was created to be on the side of the never seen." Yeah. Well, I think this is also, like, I think I mentioned this in, like, the first episode of the podcast, but it's really relating back to this idea of Especially in this book, we don't know that the Never Seen exists, and we truly don't have any idea that the Black Swan are actually a society fighting for the betterment of elves, or right. that they. We think the Black Swan's evil. Yeah. At this point, because like, it's almost like the Never Seen is purposely trying to make it that way. Like the Never Seen are obviously the ones starting the fires, but they're starting the fires in the sign of the Swan. So there's this war already going on where. Like, the Never Seen is trying to convince the Elven world that the Black Swan are truly, like, evil. Yeah, the whole, like, dynamic of the Black Swan and the rest of the Lost Cities in this first book is... It's weird to reread it, right? Because it's so different from um, all the other books where we know the side the Black Swan is on and we know they're, like, the quote-unquote good side. Um... And actually, like, when Sophie told Tyrion um, that that the Black Swan were the bad guys, like, she said, she said something about, like, oh, we know the Black Swan, we know the Black Swan is evil, right? Because they started the fires and they killed Jolie. I wonder what Tyrion was thinking at that point, because he was in the Black Swan, like, but he couldn't really say anything about that. Yeah. Honestly, like, I really would love to see how the Black Swan was working pre-Sophie's introduction. Because we've seen before that, like, Tyrion, or we can assume most of the members of the Black Swan didn't really have much to do with Sophie before her introduction to the Lost Cities. Like, I'd love to see just kind of, like, a short book just kind of talking about them and their history as a society up to the point where they decided to make Sophia and, like, those years of what were they doing while they were waiting for her to grow up. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, it definitely seems like Project Moonlark was just, like, one of the many things they did. And every the series is so Sophie-focused. I do wonder, like, what else were they doing? Yeah. No, and what else? What's the, what's the next section here? Hmm, if I open my book... Yeah, next is when um, Sophie has her allergy to Limbium, um, which I made a note that this makes two Healing Center trips in one podcast section. So, um, hell yeah. <laughs> We're getting lots of Elwyn content in this book. Hell yeah. I love Elwyn. The Limbium allergy is a kind of weird thing because I don't think it actually shows up again in this book. You have to wait until Exile to, um, for it to actually become a plot point. I think this is kind of introducing that plot point for later. Yeah. 
Right. It feels like it's kind of a setup for later books. Oh, and also to sort of to introduce the context of like her allergic reaction when she was nine. And um, yeah, which was a thing that they kept secret for a really long time um, in the books for like what actually happened when she had that allergic reaction and had to go to the hospital. And we found out what happened in Legacy, but that took like eight whole books to figure out. I think that what's also very interesting about this too is that especially in this chapter we see Grady and Edeline or Edeline struggle with Sophie's closeness to danger. I don't know like we see them really really worried about her and seeing them like holy oh my I did it again I'm so sorry um like, them just being so concerned about her health and not sure if they're going to be able to handle this if she's already almost died in the day. Yeah, sort of on that same subject, the next section of the book um, is... There's a, there's a lot of Gradient Edelin in the next section of the book, which is, is at Havenfield, and um, we're, we have, like, a... There's sort of a part where Sophie mentions fire, and then we see how Grady and Edelin react to that. And um, now, now in the book, we know that it's because Jolie died in a fire. Um, so, like, yeah, kind of like what I said at the beginning of the episode. Like, you can really see how they're still grieving at this point, mm-hmm. and especially when, especially when Gildy flies in and she comes running out with the. Uh... With the flamethrower. Right. Yeah, that must have been, like, really scary, actually, for uh, for Grady and Edelin at that point. It probably it was probably terrifying. This pterodactyl just flew in in the middle of the night, and it's running amok and being all rambunctious and unpredictable, like big animals are. And then your adoptive daughter, who already had a near-death experience this week, just comes sprinting in with a flamethrower. And starts spraying it, and it's just like, what? Yeah. Like, it is like, I know we joke about Sophie being chaotic, but, like, thinking about it, like, she must be a nightmare for, for, for like, pe- anyone, like Sander or even or Grady and Edelin to, like, keep tabs on and take care of. Yeah, like, honestly, I can, this is, it, just must be so stressful and I feel very bad I my notes just kind of ended up not really working out this time but the most important thing on it is elf vapes elf vapes and I have that written twice because that was really important elf vapes wait elf vapes where when did this happen so Morella is a vapor um she has her flavored air she sprays it into the air air. and she breathes it in (laughs) now this is not exactly what a vape will do. However, Shannon is encouraging malpractice for the young tweens out there. How do we feel <laughs> about that? Kids don't do drugs. Yeah, anyways, I just I just found it so funny. Yeah, I mean, I don't think flavored air is like an actual drug, but it is still like, yeah, it does feel really similar. To a vape. To a vape. <laughs> Yeah, and then, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna 
see if there's anything else just kind of flip into that section oh yeah and i love just in that scene where the where they are bottling the light where elwin's like i got out of bed for you what are you kidding me Ugh. little does he know how many more times this is gonna happen yeah poor poor guy they should just like visit elwin's house elwin gives them a house tour seriously <laughs> my god what if au where elwin's a vlogger oh my god that would be hilarious i would love if elwin blogged it's like i don't know like sophie almost fades not clickbait <laughs> yeah how oh, sophie almost fades again <laughs> um and i mean i guess i guess something that we didn't really bring up was that like we see the pendant slipped into her locker like within the last section but like we're seeing more and more of the of the black swan leaving things for her to find like the book on pyrokinetics that necklace like the memory of frisson like as you mentioned there truly is so much being brought into focus here right yeah there's a lot that's like uncovered in this section i think um and especially like this was actually brought up in one of the later books i think like sophie brings it up but um like the sheer amount of stuff hidden in her memory right now is like she's finding out something like every other chapter and i kind of it's very nostalgic and i kind of miss the time when like it felt like they were winning just because we were always learning new things like we've kind of stopped that now yeah so moving on to the last section of the section the yeah the last section of the section um when sophie heads back to alden's fish tank like office oh that should have been our sponsor for this week anyway she she heads back to alden's office to um to finally like to finally learn out learn everything about her past about the black swan and we get a lot of information this is the first time we hear everblaze like said by name um we learn a lot about the black swan as an organization and how like sophie was genetically modified to be project moonlark and this chapter i think is where the overarching like the overarching story of the series actually um starts to get going um because whereas before it was a lot about like finding things out and like new school and like oh no I almost cheated on my midterms um and sort of like self-contained things like that this is when we start realizing like oh there's this bigger conspiracy at work here yeah 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 and there's just and in these chapters you see a lot of the pieces being brought together for when she goes to get the Everblaze. Like, she learns what it is. Gildy flies in. Like, you can see, like, everything's. So it's like that one picture that's just like, everything's coming together. <laughs> right. You can see, like, all the pieces kind of being put into place for that last Scheme. group of chapters that we'll be talking about next week. This is kind of tangential, but I actually didn't really remember Gildy. Like, I... Like, if someone if someone brought up guilty i'd be like oh yeah i remember who that is but i just she she hasn't really been at the front of the story since book one so i just i'd kind of 
sort of forgotten that she was so important in book one. What happened to her? Where'd she go? Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I assumed she stayed at Havenfield or like she went to the sanctuary later, maybe. Probably sanctuary, I would guess. But yeah, that um, would make I sense. I hope she comes back. Like I hope they use that her would again. be cool. Yeah. Just end end the uh, end the book with just a get together of all of Sophie's various animal <laughs> friends throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, speaking of animal friends, when Iggy rips open the uh, the letter, oh Iggy, it's all his fault. The letter. Um, but yeah, we learned that Sophie's that Grady and Edelin's adoption proceedings for Sophie have been canceled and yeah we talked about this at the beginning of the episode they did it because like they weren't sure that they could handle it and um and like you know after Julian also because Sophie and also maybe I think because Sophie was like they knew that Sophie was in so much danger at the time they thought it was from the black swan later we find out it was from the never scene no and then one of the oh I just had something in my brain but it's gone now one of the other big things that I kind of was thinking about more during these sections is especially, mm, yep, I I had hoped that by saying that it would come back to my brain, but it didn't. Oh, well. It didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was like, this definitely felt like, Actually, I don't know where I was going with that either. No thoughts, head empty. <laughs> it kind of it was a very it was a very expositiony section. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, this whole section did feel like there was a lot of learning information, and not as much like action. And I also I remembered what I was gonna say. What I was gonna say is that you can see the guilt that Sophie felt from invading Lady Galvin's mind, like. In this chapter, especially at the end when she's seeing the letter, but she's not going to go open it. Like, the only reason she actually knew that she was, that the adoption was being cancelled was because Iggy broke it open. Like, she was like, I could try and open this thing and, like, see what's happening. But then she was like, no, I can't. I can't do it. It's not, it wouldn't be right. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ethics lessons are starting to set in. <laughs> but, like... It makes you wonder, if she was ever given ethics lessons, would she still feel guilty? Right, yeah. And, I mean, I think, like, that, yeah, that great scene where, like, Sophie and Tyrion are talking about her and the Black Swan, and um, when Tyrion is like, you know, I... I can assure, like, there are a lot of things that aren't all good or all bad, but, like, Sophie, I can assure you that you're good and you're honest and, um, like, you're a good person. Good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that felt really relevant to the ending of that chapter as well. I, I absolutely love just that whole thing, like, that section. It was so good. Just Tyrion just giving a pep talk because really that's what she needed right and yeah it was just really affirming and mm -hmm. Tyrion is honestly like he's he's a great character but he's also he also feels like a really good person just genuinely god Tyrion 
Kyojin is the best. Let's just let's let's cancel following Sophie and let's just follow Tirjin for a while. Like, what's he up to? Yeah, that would no, that would be really fun. And we could also get in. It could something following Tirjin could also get into like the stuff we were talking about before. You know what the Black Swan was like before Sophie and stuff like that. We could get into like how he feels about Prentice and like. What it's like adopting and raising a child. Yeah. There's... There are so many things just from side characters that I'd love to see answered that I'm so sad because I don't think we ever will. Yeah. No, I'd love to see, like, a book 8.75 that's just, like, short stories about other characters and, like, maybe little throwaway things that don't really matter as much to the overarching plot of the story, but, like, things that... I just like to see because I like the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's so many things that I'd love to see. The Great Gullen Incident, Gulan, Gull, Gullen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but we we know for a fact that's coming. Like, that's not a question of if it'll come. It's just a question of when. Yeah, no, it has to be revealed at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was all I had for this section. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to cover? Yeah. Well, actually, no. I was going to say, yeah, that was about all I had as well. All right. Um, that's about it for this week. Um, for social media, you can find me at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. I am at Everglen Havenfield on... Everglen-Havenfield on Tumblr. And um, Natty did have to leave due to connection issues, but her... Social media is the Unmapped Star on Tumblr and Instagram, so give her a follow. And if you want to send a message uh, to KeeperCast, you can go to KeeperCast on Tumblr or the KeeperCast on Instagram, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, it's always sweet to hear from some people. And that's about it, I think. So... I forgot our outro for a second. It was, yeah, okay. This has been KeeperCast. See you next week.